guys welcome back to the pick swap media youtube channel i am here with asher of the 215 scoop podcast asher what is going on today what's up sean uh, i'd be doing a little better if the phillies won last night but you know i'm looking forward to some sixers basketball tonight yeah it was a busy night last night in philly sports we had you know the the eagles on one tv phillies yeah. on in, uh, the other tv just about across the the whole area so uh definitely a frustrating kind of turn of events in the philly series but you know it is what it is I uh, still got two games to fight, so maybe things shake out. But uh, today we are here to talk some Sixers, so I'm excited to get into you about this. The the biggest news as of right now is the James Harden injury, which we saw in the Wizards game. He kind of he went to the locker room holding his shoe, came back in the game, played pretty well overall. I thought he had a good game, but some bad news after the game that he did suffer a right foot tendon sprain, which is going to keep him out a month. What's your initial reaction to this, and just how do you feel about it overall? Yeah, I mean, I'm disappointed for him just because, yeah. like, you know, we all heard the talk like Harden's washed, Nets won the trade, whatever. I never believed that I've been a big believer in Harden ever since we traded for him. It was really great to see him kind of get back to not quite his MVP form, but, you know, just really making a bigger impact on this basketball team. So it is disappointing that as he's starting to prove the doubters wrong, you know, he suffers the setback. But, I mean, even with the – you said he played pretty well even when he came back with that injury. I don't think it's really going to affect him when we do see him come back. I think the team's going to take a cautious approach. Yeah, yeah, it's frustrating. Uh, like you said, like he came in in such good shape. He really feel, felt felt like he had something to prove this year, and he was, mm -hmm. he was doing it with his play and leaves the Sixers in a, a little bit of a rough spot. They're kind of depleted of ball handlers in general. And just looking ahead at their schedule and the games that he's expected to miss, we have the Knicks tonight, obviously, the Suns, the Hawks twice – the Jazz, the Bucks, the Timberwolves, the Nets, and then an Atlanta, Cleveland, Men uh, Memphis stretch to end the month. So difficult kind of stretch of schedules. You, we obviously want him in the lineup, and he has looked really good this year. So before we get into kind of the injury specific, have you been happy with everything you've seen with Harden? Do you think he is the James Harden that we were hoping for? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's. I think that he has been a really nice mix between the uber-aggressive, you know, score-first player that we saw in Houston all those years, and then kind of the just setting other players up, ball handling, playmaking guy that we saw in Brooklyn. I think that it took him a little – like last year he didn't really find that balance. It, it, he just kind of got thrown into the mix, and now he's had the offseason playing with the team, playing with Joel, everybody. It's just kind of find who he is on this team. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And uh, the production has been there, averaging 22 points, 10 assists, 7 rebounds so far. He's the only player in the NBA averaging over 20 points and 10 assists so far. So just impressive stuff, and even him – maybe not at his peak or at the best that he could possibly play. Still just ridiculous production. And that mid-range is something I've been so excited to be added to his game, the way he's kind of making yeah. that a go-to shot. I think that's saving some wear and tear on his body where he's not kind of having to get to the rim every time or we're not kind of living and dying by the step-back three. So he's truly become kind of a three-level scorer this, this season, which I'm thrilled by. And the playmaking is going to be the biggest gap where I think his absence is going to be felt. I feel he's the only natural playmaker on the Sixers roster. The biggest guy that this is going to affect overall is Tyrese Maxey, who turns 22 today. So shout out a happy birthday to Tyrese. Happy birthday, Tyrese. I didn't know that. Yeah. So uh, how do you think the Harden absence is going to impact Tyrese, and what are your expectations for him? 
I don't know. That that's one of the harder questions. I really don't know because Maxi has been such an efficient scorer. Just you know, he gets to the rack really easily. But that's all that production has been as really the third scorer, third or fourth option on this team. So it's really going to be interesting to see how he responds to teams keying in on him specifically, especially if you know we ever we see Joel out for a few more games, illness, whatever. You know, he always he always gets a couple of nicks as the season goes on. So this month is, are we going to see a team where Tyrese Maxey is the number one scorer guy with the ball in his hands? Defenses are going to be looking at him. You know, how is he going to respond to that? Yeah. The, the, really cat, yeah, <laughs> the cat is out of the bag as far as this guy being a surprise. The NBA is officially on notice of so Tyrese sure. Maxey is a guy in this league. And I am excited to see him kind of take the keys and run with it, see what he can really do. I'm intrigued by the kind of playmaking aspect. I was looking at his numbers last year based on before and after Harden. He dropped by like two assists uh, after Harden's arrival, which obviously makes sense. Not that he's ever been a, a supernatural playmaker. He ended averaging a little 4.3 on the year. He was up in the fives in the time before Harden, which is pretty good numbers for him. And I do think that he's shown some strides in improvement. But once again, he's never going to be at his best when kind of creating for others. He's a guy that wants to get his own shot, get to the basket, do things. So I'd be excited to him kind of take that fully on himself, start creating his own shot more and look into that. But I do think these Sixers are like starved for playmakers in general. So do you think there's anybody that's going to step up with a new opportunity? I think Shake Milton will probably get some more Ron Furkan. Do you think these guys will succeed in that or is there anybody yeah. else? I mean, I think just by default, that backup ball handler spot is going to be a Shake Milton or a Point Furk. Yeah. You know, not, not minutes that I'm especially looking forward to that I think are going to be effective, but it's definitely interesting. I think one of the few positives that you could take away from this, uh, from the Harden injury, is that Doc is going to be forced to kind of take a big look at the rotations and maybe switch it up a little bit. I think that he's been pretty stagnant with the way that he's been giving the minutes. And, you know, it, it hasn't been effective thus far. We're under 500. Yeah, yeah, totally. And the thing I'll say about Doc Rivers, and we, we can get into the criticism of him too, but I think his kind of uh, best characteristic as a coach is he's more of a floor raiser than a ceiling raiser of a team, mm -hmm. is he will have kind of poorer teams overperform. We saw it last year with the with when there was just the massive gap with no Ben Simmons, how obviously uh, Joel Embiid deserves a ton of credit for his ridiculous level of play. And I'm excited to see that a little bit back on display. But in general, Rivers seems to be good at just kind of keeping teams in the mix and kind of winning games that they might not be supposed to when they're shorthanded. I think we've seen it, especially during like the COVID seasons. So I think that's kind of kind of be put on display and is going to be kind of a somewhat of a make or break factor for Rivers kind of career not career outlook, but with the Sixers, I would say. Do you think mm. that's the case? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, his seat is scorching hot right now. Probably yeah. as hot as any coach in the NBA. It, we just saw Steve Nash get fired. So, you know, it's not it's not unnatural for coaches to get fired this early in the season. And you're yeah. absolutely right. This, this one-month stretch without Harden is going to be a big factor into how, you know, that the powers that be in the Sixers organization are looking at Rivers couple you know three straight disappointing years so can he be a floor raiser he's clearly not a great ceiling raiser like you said <laughs> so yeah exactly and that's been one of my uh frustrations like it's just it feels so repetitive and just whether it's the lineups whether it's the offense whether it's just the the strategy of give it to joel and james and watch it's like mm -hmm. i felt like going into this year that we kind of had the pieces to put it together. And I feel like they have not been maximized in the way I was hoping. And there's been little signs of positivity, like D'Anthony Melton's a guy I cannot speak highly enough about. 
I'm thrilled for what he brings to the team. I also think he might get a short end of the stick here and be kind of forced into more of an on-ball role, which he he is capable. He's a more capable ball handler than a lot of these guys on the team, but not at his best. He, I think he's better as kind of a connecting piece. So I think that's his usage is going to be something to watch. But as far as just Doc in general, I just need to see more. And this kind of circles back to the Tyrese Maxey conversation of the the league's obviously been put on notice that he's a guy. But I think the Sixers need to continually start putting more and more on his plate because he's answered every call so far. And this is a, a huge opportunity to prove it and run with it. Yeah, I, I mean, his efficiency, uh, I, I touched on a little bit, being that tertiary scorer is just insane. He's like a 44, 45% three-point shooter on I'm not exactly sure how many three-point attempts per game, but say he starts chucking up 10, 10 attempts per game and he's still shooting 40%. Yeah. I mean, that's that's some scary stuff for the league. Big time. It's crazy. He went from averaging third in the NBA in three-point percentage last year, shooting a little over four per game. He's launching 6.9 per game so far this season, averaging 46.8%, which is absurd. And I, I don't think that can last for a season quite that high, but I do just believe in the shot as a whole. Like that, I'm now completely bought in that it's like, is pure, it's there, and he mm. continues to get better. So it is kind of crazy. Uh, do you think Shake Milton has a spot kind of in this rotation in the long term, even beyond Harden? You know, I, I was so sure that he was going to – that he earned some more minutes after the way he performed in the playoffs last year. I am a little disappointed in how little – how underutilized he's been this year, but I can say that a lot of, about a lot of the lower bench guys. You know, I wish Thibault was getting more minutes with how – horrific the transition defense has been this year right yeah i mean i think the problem is that melton fills a very similar niche as shake melton does where he's kind of a secondary tertiary ball handler he's a good shooter solid defender and he just kind of does it all better than shake does (laughs) yeah 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 i'd agree with that and it's it surprised me how buried shake has been and really all these guys like it felt like Rivers is coaching this like a, a postseason game and how he started the season mm-hmm. with like the rotations. Absolutely. Like going eight deep in October is wild to me. But regardless, like I think we're starting to see these guys get a chance now, whether it's by natural decision or by result of injuries. Either way, these is kind of the time to shine mm-hmm. for a lot of these bench guys. And before we fully dive into it, I would like to point out the other news of these Sixers being stripped of two second round draft picks due to tampering for the additions of P.J. Tucker and Daniel House Jr., uh, the the harshest tampering penalty that we've really seen as far as taking picks. And I was trying to look back. The only harsher examples I could really find were stuff that had to do with more salary cap based. I think this is the largest just pure tampering. Like the the one that was jumping out was with Andre Karolinko with the Nets, who they got stripped of a couple first rounders. But that was circumnavigating the salary cap, which the Sixers were already investigated for as well with the James Harden thing and cleared of. Right. So that's no worry. But overall, what do you think them getting uh, any any big deal of them getting stripped of two second rounders? No, I'm actually pretty surprised that that's the largest tampering uh, penalty that they've handed out. Because I think in in the NBA, you know, second round picks the the hit percentage on those players is very very low. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the main value that those second round picks would be to us is just that maybe they would sweeten the pot for it, having some team take the Tobias Harris contract on if we want to do that in the future. So, right. I mean, the biggest second round pick that we've had in like the last 10 years has been like Shake Milton. So, you know, I'm not really, <laughs> I'm not going to cry over it. Yeah. Paul Reed, Paul. yeah you know, th- those <laughs> kind of guys. Yeah. I'm not missing out on another Paul Reed. Yeah. And, Dr. Him, but, you know, 
Yeah, and Doc Rivers probably consider this a win. These are just guys that he won't even consider playing anyway, so no <laughs> point there. But um, <laughs> yeah, but I, I do agree. It kind of just takes away that like that little kind of trade asset that you have and that little piece you can throw in, and that's what Maury kind of lives for. They obviously can't trade a first rounder until twenty twenty nine right now because of all the moves that have been made already. So this mm-hmm. is kind of what you kind of see is what you get. It feels like, unfortunately, I still feel like there has to be some sort of move coming towards the deadline, whether it is another ball handler, another perimeter defender. I don't think this team as constructed is quite the elite caliber contender that I kind of had envisioned or hoped. And do you think there's like kind of a missing piece and something still, still to go down this year? Absolutely. Even before the Harden injury, my two main concerns were obviously the transition defense. And, you know, you can, you can yeah. point that out if you watch one minute of Sixers basketball, yeah. but also just missing a, a guy that is really a primary ball handler. Like we talked about Melton, Maxi, those guys are good operators when all the focus is not on them. And then kind of get the ball swung to them and make a play real quick, drive to the basket, shoot a three, whatever. But we don't really have a guy that can take his time, dribble, you know, not make mistakes when he has the ball in his hand a lot. And that that's something that we're gonna be missing even more now that we have the only guy on our team that can do that is injured. Yeah, yeah. It's it's going to be a challenge. And I also think perimeter defense just in general is something because Matisse played under five minutes for the first five games of the season. Clearly was needed. Clearly was needed just yeah. a spark of defense and a guy that can do it. So finally he gets tossed in. I think he's looked pretty well. He's still Matisse Thibel. He still has kind of the same deficiencies offensively. He The shot, I don't think it's improved much. At least the willingness is definitely not. He shot one attempt from three over the past three games combined, which is I, I, that to me is more kind of the concern is like, what's the rate that you're actually shooting this? Like how willing are you to let it fly? And I think there were a couple of just from the eye test of him kind of having a window to shoot and preferring to put it on the ground or flip it around, which mm-hmm. is okay. But like, I just, I don't think the shot is ever going to come in the way that we hope. This is uh, a big year for Matisse with like the contract looming. This They didn't come to an extension. I think the two sides probably look at it pretty differently. The Sixers Matisse, as far as what his value is, and a guy like DeAnthony Melton breathing down his neck. But also, I don't think he's a playable guy in the postseason, which has to be the focus. And we've, we've seen them kind of be five on four with whether it's Ben Simmons, whether it's Matisse in the past, and spacing's the name of the game with yeah. Joel Embiid. So do you think Matisse can kind of be the answer to, as a primary perimeter defender, or do you think that doesn't cut it down the stretch? It's it's difficult for Matisse because, you know, we could, we talked about – the deficiencies that Ben Simmons had, you know, we've gone over that a million times as Sixers fans as a whole, but he, he still had the driving ability. He was, he's still one of the probably top 10 passer in the NBA. And Matisse really has little to no offensive strengths. You know, he can make the easy pass. He can't really put the ball on the ground at all. You know, he doesn't scare defenses in that, in that uh, respect. Mm -hmm. So it's frustrating because I was just looking at Matisse numbers today the Sixers' defensive rating is six points lower when Matisse is on the floor versus when he's off. Wow. And, you know, obviously small sample there. Last year, it was, it was a four-point difference. So, wow. you know, he's really a game-changer on that defensive end, and you, it passes the eye test, too. That yeah. Wizards game, he really started getting more minutes, and the transition defense was just – it was night and day. The way that he can get back and force steals, a couple pokes out from behind the guy, they don't even know he's there. You know, yeah. So he's so valuable on that end, and it's – it's really frustrating that his offense kind of caps his minutes. 
definitely. And he has essentially become just kind of a, a dunker spot guy on the offensive mm-hmm. end. That is kind of like a maybe he pokes out an offensive rebound, but for real, he's just kind of sitting there and doing whatever, which you, we just really can't have. And uh, dating back to the Heat series, there was literally a point where they were just straight up ignoring Matisse on defense, like yeah. pretending like he wasn't there, just going back and forth, floating from Embiid to Harden. And they, the Sixers just can't afford to have that. And uh, looking beyond Matisse at these defensive options, because this was a Sixers team that came in the season talking about how defense was the priority. They wanted to be up there with the best defensive teams in the league. And to kind of see that, like the effort that came in the beginning of the season was super depressing. And I also just don't know if I can quite buy that with James Harden and Tyrese Maxey as your two guards. And no disrespect to these guys, but Maxey's always going to be kind of undersized with most of the matchups he gets. Harden is just a guy who is going to space out off ball, is not going to be chasing guys around screens. And unfortunately, that's kind of what we deal with. And for everybody that points out what a great like post player or post defender he is, it's like that happens like maybe once a game. So. Yeah. Sure, that's great that it can happen when he gets down there, but the bulk of the time he's going to be targeted by guards. So do you think there's a chance this team can kind of rewrite their narrative and become like a real defensive team? Yeah, absolutely. When the two problems are your your kind of really strong ball-handling offensive guards, you know, that, that's a problem for plenty of teams in the NBA. Trey Young, Luka Doncic, yeah. guys that have those super high usage rates that expend a lot of energy on offense generally are going to take some breaks on defense. I think most of it comes down to can Joel get back to that MVP form? Because yeah. one of the probably the most frustrating thing in the beginning of the season has been that Embiid he doesn't look conditioned and he also just doesn't seem to be putting in as much effort as he was the last two seasons. Mm-hmm. So, you know, is that all due to the conditioning? Is that is that kind of affecting his mental state as well? You know, I we really won't be able to tell. This is this month is also going to be big for him and this is his team again completely. Yeah. I, I think this, that we're going to see a prove it stretch from Joel here. I think I do believe kind of the, the injury stuff, him working himself back into shape, plantar fasciitis is just one of those things that does linger. And while it is frustrating to see him like come in out of shape, not looking like himself in the long haul, it's definitely better for him to have that taken care of, be all recovered from in the off season and now be ready to work. And People kind of forget how good this guy is, I feel like, just based on how he's been. Like, think about last year, how much he carried the Sixers team on both sides of the floor. And I think now kind of being forced to do it again, and it truly is going to be the Embiid and Maxi show with kind of the same uh, improved complimentary pieces to an extent. But mm. I think it's his time to take over, and that's kind of what I'm expecting and my biggest takeaway I expect from this stretch. Do you agree with that? Yeah. I mean, that's one of the reasons I'm – as disappointed as I am for Harden, as I said, I'm really not concerned for the team as a whole. Yeah. Just how this is basically an improved version of the team that we saw in the beginning of the season last year with no Ben Simmons and an improved Tyrese Maxey as well, we can assume. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the, there's some tough matchups on that schedule, but there's also an, an away stretch where we play the Hornets and then the Magic twice. Yeah. So it, it's not inconceivable to say that when Harden comes back, we're a couple games over 500. Yeah, and that should absolutely be the goal. Also, a little bit of an NBA hot take here, but I, th- I, don't, I think we match up horribly against the Magic. I think I don't like that game for us at all. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, the Magic games, they, they always seem to be closer than they should be. Mm-hmm. Maybe, yeah. yeah, maybe it's wrong thinking back on it that I've counted those as two wins already in my head. <laughs> but, and, and But the thing is, like, they should be beating these teams. Like, if this is Sixers team that we hope for them to be, that should be a, a one we can count on for a win. And same with just like looking around, like even like 
the Jazz game is one I mentioned as like a, a a struggle game moving forward. Like that should be one we can count on for a win. And the Jazz, we'll see if they settle in or not. But the NBA has been very weird as a whole as far as which teams are hot, which teams are not right now. Yeah, definitely. You know, the Warriors over there struggling in uh, Golden State. Yeah. But, I mean, another thing, the, the Celtics last year, it, you know, they really didn't figure out who that team was until mid-January. Yeah. So there's really there's no pressure on the I don't think on the team as a whole to figure out who they are, but for kind of for the individual players to start figuring out where their where their role lies, I think it's going to be huge, especially for you know Maxine and Embiid figure out who yeah. they are. Yeah, definitely, and that's a great point about the Celtics too, because one of the reasons that they kind of fueled that fire and found their path was that just embracing of the defensive side of the ball, how they became one of the best defensive teams in the NBA, and that really just drove them all the way to the NBA Finals. I would love if there's a similar level of commitment from the Sixers team. If there's a similar similar level of buy-in. There has been some changes, like with the defensive scheme, they're doing way more switch-heavy stuff this year which in general has not been the Sixers case, especially with Embiid. They've been very much like a play drop coverage, stick with your man, just kind of a old school kind of defense. They're trying to become more modern on that side of the ball. We've seen kind of the, the real negative side on it, that all these guys keep talking on all the post-game things, how communication is the number one thing. Like they're just not quite on the same page. So there's a part of me that does believe like when things click, it'll look better. Uh, the guy that I think is kind of obviously Embiid, as you said, is the anchor and where everything starts. PJ Tucker is also going to be a crucial role in this. And do you think he is kind of? Do you have any fear that PJ Tucker just straight up runs out of gas by the end of this year? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. That was, I mean, me and James talked about it many times. When after that PJ Tucker signing happens, I think that the beginning of this year it's going to be fine. But you know, by mid next year, that contract is going to be looking real sketchy. Yeah, you know, maybe as early as this year, it it his his defense has already seemed to have taken a step back. Mm-hmm. His re, the rebounding's still there decently. The perimeter defense, he just doesn't seem as light on his feet as he used to be. Yeah, and it's like like the Porzingis matchup, which obviously he's seven foot three, and there's really no reason that should be the matchup anyway. But mm-hmm. it just he didn't even kind of make him work at times, and I get that's hard. Like he's way bigger than him, and I. I we should have been making subs anyway. And perimeter defense, like he's probably the guy we're kind of counting on most consistently down the stretch. Like we've seen him match up against Giannis this year. We've seen him match up against Jason Tatum this year. It's like, this is really supposed to be our guy. And we're kind of already running him into the ground. Like looking at the minutes across this Sixers team is crazy. Like him playing 35, 40 minutes in October, November is pretty nutty from a guy who has as many miles on him as, as well. And this even circles back to Maxi and Harden playing as many as they have. Harden's playing the 10th most minutes per game in the NBA. Maxie, the fourth most minutes in the NBA. And I get like Maxie is a little different because of how much younger he is, how much all that. But like Harden and Tucker are both guys who are getting up there in age. Harden's been battling injuries. And it's like, let's take a step back. Let's work with what we got. Let's use this newfound depth that we have and treat this like the regular season before we get to the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, you you said it exactly. My thoughts exactly when you said this is a playoff rotation in October. Yeah. It's just absolutely ridiculous. Maxi, you can play Maxi forty-five minutes a game, and I don't care. Right. right. Harden and Bead—they're both injury concerns already. Not to mention mention Harden's age. PJ Tucker—you know—you said he's—he's his career is winding down. (laughs) So for him to be playing as many minutes as Matt as Maxi is just—I don't know—it's mind-boggling. Yeah, definitely. Especially considering how we've kind of banged the same table, saying like, "Quit the all bench." 
uh, all bench lineups. Let's like cut down the rotation a little. And now we have like this new depth. We have these, yeah. the Anthony Melton's, the Daniel houses, the more competent guys that can rotate in Montrez Harrell, who's been bad. But uh, anyway, like the, <laughs> like to have these pieces go, what are you going to say? No, no, no. You keep going. Gotcha. But like to kind of have these pieces and not fully be using them is frustrated. Montrez Harrell, I would do want to touch on real quick. It's been a guy I was very excited about kind of the addition because he's just a more gifted offensive player than we've seen by most Embiid backups. Has not looked to be the case so far. And it's been it's rough to be the guy that I've been kind of calling this this superior offensive talent to be averaging two points a game this far. So do you have hope for Trez to kind of find his footing? Is he only averaging two? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> uh, maybe I don't have hope then. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's been brutal. And he's a guy who isn't up there, up there in age. He, I believe he's in his late twenties. He might be 30 on the dot, but he's um like, should not look as washed as I feel he has so far. Like the vertical is just not there whatsoever. And for a guy who's already playing undersized center, I do have some concerns and I get, we didn't get him hit for defense. We got to free this man b-ball Paul and just at least give him a chance. Even if it's alongside Montrez Howell, like let's see what that looks like. Cause then we're kind of getting a little bit of the best of both worlds. I got to see some Paul Reed on this team. I know I'm going to keep saying it and it's never going to happen, but I feel like all these issues we've talked about, he would at least help in some regard. Yeah. And I mean, that's definitely something Dockers can try. There's, there's so many different lineups that Doc can play with now. Mm-hmm. I, something I would love to see is Matisse play the four a little bit, maybe, okay. which, which would kind of mitigate the, uh, the effect that he has on the offense. Maybe we could have him at the four and Embiid at the five so we can have four three-point shooters out there. Yeah, I, th- I think there's a lot to play with if you're Doc Rivers. Yeah, definitely. So they got a kind of tough stretch here without Harden. We're going to see a little bit of what this team is made of, what their identity is. So until then, we're kind of going to wait. Ash, you got any final words on this team or any final thoughts? No. Go Sixers yeah. playing tonight, about 30 minutes now. Yeah, absolutely. So go Sixers. Hopefully they figure this out. Hang, hang above water while Harden is out. Thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure to drop a like and subscribe on the channel. Drop a comment. Let me know if you guys agree. What, uh, what do you think moving forward? And we'll get back with you next time.